global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update's brought to you by CBOE RMC. Come to the CBOE Risk Management Conference February 29th to March 2nd at the Hyatt Regency, Coconut Point, Florida. Register and learn more at CBOERMCUS.com. Macy's is up about 6% this morning, the largest U.S. department store chain posting fourth quarter results that beat analyst estimates after sales declined less than projected. Home Depot is up more than 3.5% after posting fourth quarter profit that topped analyst estimates, showing consumers are still willing to spend on their houses. European stocks, meanwhile, are lower with emerging markets after the People's Bank of China reduced the yuan's reference rate by the most in six weeks. Futures, they're little changed. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P E-mini futures down two points. Dow E-mini futures up six. NASDAQ E-mini futures down 12. The DAX in Germany is down seven-tenths percent. The 10-year Treasury is down 11.30 seconds. The yield 1.79 percent. Yield on the two-year 0.76 percent. NYMEX crude oil down four-tenths percent or 13 cents to 33.26 a barrel. COMEX gold is up 1.1 percent or $13.30 to 12.23.40 an ounce. The euro's at a dollar ten twelve. The yen one twelve point oh six, and we do see a headline crossing the Bloomberg here. The LSE and Deutsche Börse confirming detailed talks on a potential merger, and we'll have more on that story as it becomes available. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen, thank you so much. It is eight forty eight on Wall Street. The following is from Bloomberg View. Opinions and commentary from Bloomberg columnists. I'm Justin Fox, columnist for Bloomberg View. The crisis was caused by oversaturated markets, currency devaluations, and a lopsided balance of payments. China was producing more manufactured goods than Westerners could pay for. Money supply complications made things worse. The changing climate may have played a role, too. This is a description not of our current economic troubles, but of the financial crisis and economic depression that hit countries from China to France in the 15th century. I've been learning about it from Peter Frankopan's just-published book, The Silk Roads, A New History of the World. One shouldn't make too much of the parallels with the present. This is the 1400s we're talking about, after all. But as we continue to struggle with the lingering aftermath of the 2008 financial crisis, it is fascinating to learn that trade imbalances between China and the West have brought trouble before, and to be reminded that monetary policy problems are nothing new. We have been going through these crises for centuries. They usually take a long time to recover from, and sometimes they bring big economic shifts. Wonder what they'll be writing about our troubles 600 years from now. I'm Justin Fox, a columnist for Bloomberg View. For more Bloomberg opinion and commentary, please go to BloombergView.com or ViewGo on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg View. Bloomberg View commentary can be heard hourly weekdays on Bloomberg Radio. Mike, I, I had a delay there because I was contemplating one day there'll only be one market. Yes, uh, Keen Stock Exchange Incorporated. Right now, uh, two markets look like they're going to get together. Yeah, London serious Stock headlines. Exchange with a headline, uh, a, a statement out just a few moments ago saying they are in advance talks with Deutsche Börse to merge what they call a merger of equals. Mm-hmm. However, oh, yeah. the way the deal is structured, Deutsche <laughs> yeah, Börse holders would have 54.4% of the company and the LSE stockholders would hold 45.6%. So, it would be a uh, 
a Deutsche yeah. Bourse takeover, essentially, although the combined group would have a unitary board. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't mm-hmm. say exactly what that means in terms of, well, it says equal number of directors. There's a headline just coming out. They, each side would get an equal number of directors. No word on uh, yeah. management yet, but yeah. the headlines are just coming out. Sounds delicate. London uh, Stock Exchange shares up 16.5%. Over in London. Yeah, with some real price move as well. David Kelly with us with JP Morgan Funds. What, what is great about you, David, is you synthesize in economics into what we should actually do with our money. How do you synthesize Michael Ferroli and Bruce Kasman's terminal rate coming down the great JP Morgan call of a lower potential GDP, mm-hmm. lower yield? How does that fold over into what we actually do with our money? Well, I, th- I think the uh, first of all, I agree with that call. Unless we see structural change in the United States in, in terms of labor supply and in terms of productivity, that terminal slower growth rate is inevitable. Uh, but the way I think you look at it is if we are going to have low inflation or lower inflation than we've seen historically, we've got lower interest rates, um, then we also should have a lower earnings yield on stocks, E over P. And that means that P.E. ratios ought to be higher than average. One of the oddities of, of the current situation is people, people look at price earnings ratios and say, well, they need to be bounded, in fact, upper bounded by the, by the average of the last 25 years. At the same time, they say we're in a new world in terms of low inflation and low interest rates. If right. we are in a world of low inflation and low interest rates, we ought to have higher P.E. Okay. ratios in the long run. And if we have higher P.E. ratios in the long run, that does mean that equities have some room to move up from here. You look like Don Draper today from Mad Men. Are we going back to a 1950s, nifty 50s, into the 60s glory of growth? Well, no. The revaluation is an E over P. Well, I th- becomes I th- a big P over E. I, th- I think we, we could see we could see higher stock prices, and we could see some reaction eventually from our political system to the the real problems that, that, that we face. But the, the one th- similarity I think is that by the end of next year, uh, we're going to be back to the lowest unemployment rate since the late 1960s. I, it looks to me like the unemployment rate will come down to about 3.6 percent by the end wow. of 2017 because of a lack of labor supply and continued moderate economic growth. You know that that takes you back to the age of Aquarius. Uh, so I guess that is kind of a Don Draper You reference. don't want Tom to look like uh, – you see pictures of Tom. <laughs> Back then? <laughs> the age of the age of Keen. Um, you and I were just talking a moment ago in mm-hmm. light of all this uh, that the economy is better off if the Fed is raising rates some. Yep. The idea that they would have to cut rates again or use negative rates or do something to stimulate the economy would be a big mistake. Yeah, the, the number one thing that I think central banks are missing is that there is a non-linear relationship between interest rates and, and demand in the economy. If you raise rates from a very low level, you actually stimulate economic demand. When you raise them from a higher level, you actually hurt economic demand. It's a curve. I mean, curves occur all over in nature and, and science and so forth. But for some reason, central banks think it's a straight line. But the, the, way, the reason this is important is that if you raise short-term interest rates from low levels, you're going to add interest income, you're going to add to confidence, you're going to cause people to borrow ahead of higher rates. Um, and, and all of these things should help the economy grow a little faster. Moreover, you do need to get back to a more normal interest rate so, so you can get back to a more normal monetary policy in the long run. So I would wish that the central – first of all, I wanted the Federal Reserve to move more steadily last year and to get rates going back to normal. But I still think they should move rates back to normal to at least you know, re- remove a lot of the distortions caused by this, this um, you know, ridiculously easy monetary policy, which I think is you – know, I think it's actually hurting long-term economic growth. Do, do the markets – can, can can they withstand that, or are we so hooked on this that uh, we see 
Oh, another th- taper tantrum kind of uh, meltdown. But, you know, it's, it's like raising children. I mean, of course they're going to have a tantrum initially if you take away the candy, but in the long run, if you give them a better diet, they will be better, they'll be more well-adjusted kids. You, I, think the, I think the markets will survive it after a little tantrum, and they realize the economy is actually okay. enhanced by this. If we migrate within the linear function we have from 5% to 38 3.7%, 3.6% unemployment, to our listeners, they're all going, I don't believe you. But the next question is, will those be good jobs? Uh, I, well, first of all, I think they should believe me because if you go back to, since 2010, even though we've only averaged 2.1% GDP growth, and that's very much in line with everybody else's forecast from now now on, the unemployment rates come down about eight-tenths of a percent per yes. year. And that would get me to my 36 by the end of next year. All we need is a continuation of current trends. As for being good jobs, you know, I think there will be good jobs. To me, the real problem is, are there going to be good workers? We are we are scraping the bottom of the labor market barrel. There are reasons why people have found it, found it hard to find jobs in this economy, but a lot of those are microeconomic reasons, which have to do with, um, you know, right. Uh, and I don't want to go through the long list, but you can think of the long list of problems that people are having being actually well, well fit for the labor force. This that, has been that's great. a real problem, David. Thank you so much, David Kelly with J.P. Morgan Funds. A lot to think uh, about. With and a lot to think about. Indeed, there. think about. And, and again, folks, this is what we love on surveillance: is the stark polarity between two smart people with two really different, certainly world views, but Mike, I would also suggest two different American views as well. Well, I love the fact that you had stepped out of the studio for a second during the break when David said, you know, all this stuff about the, you know, Fed funds rate and things like that is enormously complicated. And I said, that's why you're on this program. Because this is the show where you can talk about it and people can learn something. And you can get a measured view of the overlays of Gary Schilling and David Kelly, and there are many overlays, and also some of the very stark differences, just the idea of going to a 3.6% unemployment rate, which basically nobody on the planet is um, <coughs> excuse me, modeling right now. If you would like some enthusiasm, we will deliver it. The 10-year yield is up five basis points to a 1.80. We even finally, on this Tuesday, have some curve steepening. If you'll recall, in our last edition of Nancy Drew, the basic idea was curve flattening was out there, even amid a good equity market. Today, we've got a legitimate risk-on move, stronger dollar, equities up. Well, they're fractional. I stand corrected on that. But with a bond market acting almost normal, Michael. Well, they were listening to uh, David Kelly say that um, the the, the uh, curve is a false indicator. Yeah, well, it, it may be. But at least today I've got higher yields going with a steeper curve, which gets us much more back to uh, the normality of a five-day uh, working week. This is fun. We've got a lot of good guests coming up on economics, finance, investment, and international relations Another hour worldwide of Bloomberg Surveillance.